Welcome to Inside the Castle, the podcast that goes behind castle doors to have real conversations with real people about solving the nation's toughest challenges. I'm one of your hosts today, Aaron Snyder. And I'm Angie Fryermuth. This is our second episode discussing the Asian American Pacific Islander USACE community. With us today are Eileen Takata, Rosalind Wang, and Paylin Yu. Thank you for joining us here today. Good to be here. Thanks for having us. So the first question I really would want to hear really from all of you. Please introduce yourselves and just tell us a little bit about your Asian American background. I can begin. This is Eileen Takata. And maybe you can tell from my last name that I have Japanese heritage. Simply put, my mother is from Japan. So it was actually my first language. But my father was American born. So I'm considered a Sansei or third generation. However, he is known as Kibei, meaning he was born in America but raised in Japan. And the reason for that has to do with something I am currently still dealing with, and that is during World War II, he was one of 120,000 Japanese Americans who were imprisoned for being Japanese because of the fear. We're, you know, still piecing that together, but that is, I think, a lot of my background uh, and who I am. In short, I was raised in Maryland, born there, but went to college in Virginia and lived uh, inside the Beltway for many years, but then uh, moved to California and met a local, and I'll never go back. And so here I am in Southern California working for the Corps for the last 12 years. Nice to be here. Hi, I'm Rosalyn. I am Chinese American. Though my parents were born in Taiwan, I am ethnically Chinese. They were part of that whole diaspora of people who were running from the Cultural Revolution, ran to Taiwan, spent a generation in Taiwan. Then pretty much everybody then ended up in the United States. I was born in California, so I am a California native, and I do love it here. I'm going to stay here forever, too. <laughs> yeah, so I began working for the Corps actually in the Little Rock District, but then came to uh, the Bay Area, and now I am a uh, assistant district counsel here, and that is basically my story. My first language was Chinese, but my Chinese is awful now, uh, hoping to improve that for my kids. Uh, my name is Paylin Yu. I am mixed race. Uh, my Asian ancestry comes from my father. His family are from central Taiwan. Uh, we have found through um, Ancestry.com uh, and some family records that we also have Taiwan indigenous heritage as well. His family roots uh, go back to the 1880s in Taiwan and before that the Fujian province of China. I work now for the Walla Walla district. And I'm also um, engaged with research, ethnographic research, among the tribes of the east coast of Taiwan in my non-core time. Well, thank you all for joining us today. I think the last couple of years, uh, the pandemic has affected all of us a little bit different and definitely has ignited some conflict among different cultures in that. And so today we want to talk a little bit about how that has affected you and your family. So Eileen, can you tell us about how you and your family have adjusted to the COVID environment? Well, on the surface, just like any other family with children, you know, that was an adjustment to do 
be virtual schooling, but luckily I have a very attentive husband who took care of that for me so I could work from home from this living room. But um, as events unfolded, first with uh, George Floyd and um, his murder, I guess, uh, put it that way, and um, awareness that there has been, you know, generations of PTSD for um, African Americans, and then just a lot more violence against Asian for the for blaming them for or us, I guess. You know, sometimes I forget. Actually, I you know I grew up listening to REM and U2 and stuff. So, so for me, you know, all of the attention has actually showed me or daylighted the fact that you know I am kind of out of touch with my Asian American heritage, and that there are people who look like me and my my son who might hate me, which is really it's an awful realization. So I actually did worry for my son a little bit, not didn't do anything about it. It became a period of self-reflection and seeking. And I thought to connect with other Asian uh, women and found a podcast that I really identify with um, Asian Christian women leaders and connected personally with this woman who does this podcast because she's here in Southern California. Yay. But um, I also reached out to Japanese Americans grappling with the, you know, they call it the internment, but it was really imprisonment and uh, removal of freedoms caused a form of PTSD in my family. So been exploring that. And I documented in my journal, just bullet pointed all these things that suddenly came about, including our, even our USAFE AAPI community more connections with my Asian American friends. You know, one one friend said, hey, we need more Asians in leadership positions. We need more people that look like us in leadership. And he's like, hey, you want to run for office? And I'm like, no, he's nuts. And But he he's really serious. And this thought that maybe that's not a bad idea. I've, for a year, I've been thinking, I'm not going to do that. But just that realization that hey, it does matter. Any violence against somebody that looks like me could happen to me. So, hey, I want to be more aware of and have more clarity and articulate who I am and what it means to be Asian American. So I am in a process of self-discovery. So Eileen talked about a lot of the violence that has kind of plagued us, uh, especially Asian American women throughout this pandemic. And for a while, you know, especially East Asians were considered that model minority, you know, we were the good ones. <laughs> so we were never considered threatening and we had a lot of privileges because of that. And the, what the pandemic did was they took it away. And I think people put it very well when this whole generation of people during the pandemic, the Chinese uh, East Asian Americans or Asian Americans in general, just kind of realized that our citizenship was actually conditional, <laughs> that our privilege was actually conditional based upon things we had no control over, but just the idea of whether or not we were good. Personally speaking, my mother and my father, um, um, they've had some like, you know, minor violence happen to them. And that's been really scary for me. They had their Christmas lights cut when in California they reinstated the, you know, some of the closing downs again and somebody came by and, and cut their Christmas lights. 
they were in Home Depot and driving away and somebody threw a water bottle at their car. <laughs> it's it this is in San Diego, California, and it just I don't know, they it's uh they got vaccinated earlier than more people did because, you know, they're older and then they were like, okay, we can go out again. And then they went out into a place that wasn't friendly. And they're very, it's shocking. They've been in this country forever. They speak English very well. <laughs> and it's, it's um, you know, they don't always live with me. They sometimes do. But it's been very scary to think about my parents and their safety. I do feel very safe in my community. We have um, a very diverse community here. I don't stand out. Again, during the pandemic, especially with kids, you know, we did a lot of isolating since they weren't vaccinated until very late. Uh, so that was also helpful. <laughs> there was a training that I was going to take that was going to be in Texas that got moved to Alabama. And if it was in Texas, I would have taken it because I can, I was going to take my family with me, but I wasn't going to take my family with me to Alabama. I just didn't feel safe. I didn't feel safe because I knew I would stand out. I knew I would probably be the only, obviously, Chinese American in a hotel, in a restaurant, walking down the street. And I didn't want that kind of attention. And so I just opted out. I said no. And so those are the kind of like, even though I haven't luckily experienced anything tr that traumatic, but it has impacted my life in terms of whether or not I feel safe whether I feel safe for my family. So my father is actually in Taiwan now, and he is in his middle 80s, and I have not been able to see him for three years. We have been talking daily uh, by telephone, which is the best we can do. He is uh, somewhat isolated out there. So I, I do not have uh, members of my Taiwanese family here in the United States, so I have not had these kinds of experiences that Eileen and Rosalind have, have shared with us but it has certainly affected uh, the family in that we have not been able to actually see each other as I'm sure so many are dealing with for years. That has been really hard. Uh, the phone calls are definitely not uh, doing a whole lot, but they're better than nothing. Yeah, it, it definitely has been hard to, to connect with family, obviously across all levels. And it's kind of interesting, you know, Palin, I think you had mentioned that Asian Americans were the, the model immigrants and they had a little bit more flexibility maybe than some others, other groups. And but yet you talked a little bit also about fleeing to Taiwan and then coming to the United States. And it seems like there's been lots of, of challenges as part of the, the heritage or cultural heritage of the Asian Americans. And going through some of those challenges and then the PTSD that Eileen talked about kind of create some resiliency within the community and how have you dealt with all of these impacts? So, you know, I think you talked a little bit about concerns about safety, but, you know, what about the resiliency factor and how have you really dealt with some of these challenges? Um, if it's okay, I'd like to start this discussion here, which I, I think there is, there are always stereotypes about about uh, Asian Americans, Native Hawaiians, and Pacific Islanders. But sometimes I think that stereotypes actually uh, mirror some realities. And, and in this case, the way that we deal with family, I think, is somewhat special. I would say that the ways that Asian Americans check up on each other and take family into their homes as they need to 
even if it may not be the most fun thing in the world to have family move in with you, to go the extra mile, to, especially for care for for the generations above and the generations below. And I would like to actually highlight the way that we, we deal with elders. The attacks that we've seen on Asian American elders have been truly horrifying in, in this country. I think that part of what makes us more resilient is that we tend to gather our elders to us. Uh, we do, most of my friends who are Asian American have elders living in their home with them, whether they're parents or grandparents or, or very near. Um, and I think that actually contributes some to to the fact that we can be resilient with these kinds of things. Also, the sense of community, we tend to sort of disperse out into the larger community, but when in times of crisis there is a certain coalescence that happens again, I can speak a little bit about an experience that I'm having in Boise, where Boise's Chinese, Boise's Chinatown used to be, I think, second or third largest in the United States. It has entirely vanished now due to the Exclusion Act um, and also to racist zoning and planning practices of the past. When I moved to Boise first, you would never have known there were any ever any Asian Americans there. The COVID pandemic has brought many of us together again. And in a very great development, the chief of police is Chinese American. And Boise is not exactly the most diverse town you've ever been in. Uh, so I, I'm really, all of us were thrilled to see him. He uh, gathered us together with the mayor when he first arrived, which was um, as the pandemic was unfolding. And when some of these um, attacks began to occur, uh, we began to have regular meetings with him. Uh, Ryan Lee has since appointed a, a special Asian-American community liaison officer. So all of us have sort of rallied around this expression by the city of support for our community, which I think is unprecedented in Boise ever uh, since the 1800s. The connection of the uh, Pacific Islander Boise community, the Japanese Boise community, the Korean Boise community, the Vietnamese Boise community, and the South Asian, like the Indian Boise community, all of us have gathered together specifically to deal with these issues. I've never seen anything like this before, and it's very, very exciting. So there is family, there is community, and then Sometimes you have a key individual jump into a leadership position, like Eileen was mentioning, and he can act like a magnet. So I'll stop there for a moment, but that's been one of the things that has shown some measure of that ability to snap back and even snap forward. <laughs> so this is Rosalind. I have to say that I've been very, very happy with particularly my school district. I have two young kids. And our uh, principal of their elementary school is uh, Asian. Um, there's, a, I mean, we have a very diverse community, so it's wonderful. And they put out a ton of resources for the kids, for us uh, as parents, communities to both talk about diversity. Um, there were minor racist instances, you know, kids oftentimes being kids saying inappropriate things. But every single time that's happened, they've very, very clearly shut it down. Um, they're very clear in their diversity talks. They're like, we're here to talk about diversity and how it's important. If you do not think it's important, you are not invited. <laughs> uh, so they've been very, very clear about where they stand here and their support for the students, the community. And it's it's really been very lovely. And that's uh, in many ways why 
I feel so safe sending my kids to school. So like lucky to live in the neighborhood that I do. And I think that's been, you know, that's been very helpful. Um, something that, you know, kind of adds to the privilege is that the vast majority of the recent East Asian immigrants have been East Asian immigrants coming of middle-class high education. Definitely that's my background. My parents uh, came here for grad school and then stayed as well as the rest of uh, my uncles and my aunties. And so we are a community in many ways of more resources. <laughs> I'm trying to find, you know, nicer ways to say that we have money. <laughs> and unfortunately in America that matters a ton. <laughs> so when we move, it, it matters a little bit more. And that's a form, a form of resiliency, a form of way that the community can protect itself. Do I wish it wasn't as impactful? Maybe. <laughs> I wish we would just be able to treat each other with kindness. It does seem to be something that has gone out of fashion and um, in our pl current political moment, and it's really unfortunate. Um, and we just tend to, you know, I feel like we're kind of a, the current target of that right now. So one of the things that, that we try to touch on with these these podcasts, and especially when we talk about um, diversity, equity, inclusion is, is a little bit about, you know, how it makes folks feel when things happen. And so I wanted to kind of curious, you know, in watching the media and seeing discrimination, racism, and violence towards the AAPI community, could you talk about how seeing those images and those actions or reading about them ha have made you feel as individuals? Definitely scared. This is Rosalind. You know, I, I have two little girls, you know, we, we wanted to bring them up in a very different world than we have right now, I think is, is fair thing to say. I think when we were growing up, the millennial generation, I guess, grew up with the idea that, oh, we're going to have a diverse country. It doesn't matter. And, you know, we kind of did buy in at least, you know, again, as the model minority, we could buy into the idea that, oh, you don't have to see color. <laughs> Everyone is equal, and that's very clearly not the case. There is this idea that we have a target on our back now. A lot of it has been Asian American women or or the elderly. is is just like, oh, these people don't can't fight back, and now it's okay to take out our frustrations on them because all of this, everything that's terrible that's happening to me is their fault, and it's just giving the world, like giving the country a scapegoat for otherwise not being able to control how awful life can be sometimes. And this is in, my, in many ways, I think a way for people who want to feel like they're powerful and control again. And that's where the violence comes from. And they can be powerful and in control and ruin, you know, and take somebody else's life. And, and it's scary. Um, it's scary. Uh, I never, you know, again, model minority, never had to walk down the street and worry that I was, I was going to be targeted for any reason. And, and now I do. And it's, it's weird, the idea of walking into a place and being like, oh, if I'm the only Asian person there, all of a sudden I feel uncomfortable. And that actually wasn't true before. I grew up in a very white community when I was younger. And so it never bothered me to be the only Asian person. 
when I was in Arkansas, I was, <laughs> I was pretty much the only Chinese person. And it never really bothered me. I am scared now. And uh, it's it's interesting because my husband my husband is well he's he's half Hispanic but he pretty but he looks white he passes sometimes he's like well you know does it bother you that I'm white and I'm like no not at all you're my big white shield I feel safe when I go out with you they're gonna be safe as long as they're walking around with their dad and um, it's sad that it's true yeah it's just um, it just. Uh, breaks my heart to hear, you know, some of these stories. I want everybody to feel comfortable and be able to enjoy life and not have to worry about this. I do want to shift gears a little bit and talk about work. So, Palin, can you tell us about your experiences as a member of the AAPI community and, you know, the work that you guys are doing? As a member of this core group, I'm I'm thrilled with what's happening. I've never been a part of a group quite like this. I've worked for four other agencies, four other federal agencies. Of course, the times were different. I mean, I just really want us to be able to be in the same room, obviously, or in the same space. This group, having come together like this, the progress that we've made, the conversations that we've been having, really, I've never been the kind of person who looks forward to work meetings. And I don't even feel, I mean, I look forward to talking with members of this community, I get excited about it. You know, it's like, oh, cool, we've got, we've got a little, we've got a webinar today or this podcast, or the other one. This is a bright spot in my day. This is part of what makes me feel less fear during the day, makes me, gives me a bit of oxygen in this situation is knowing this community is here and that the Corps of Engineers supports it. I can't really speak highly enough for, for what this has, has meant. There are people in my building here who are, are of this group, of this community, and they've been quite hesitant, uh, you know, to join in. And I'm, I'm hoping to maybe make, a, effect some change in that direction. Uh, we do have AA and HPI people in this building, probably out at some of the, the dams and, you know, out in operations. Um, and uh, going forward, I really hope I can bring a few more in. It's been, one of those things that um, it has been, I mean, I guess the term silver lining is kind of like a platitude, but this group has been a silver lining, I think, to my, to my work experience and to my work life. And I think about this group when I'm not at work, when things happen. So it's meant a lot. I want to echo what Palin just said and give a shout out to Judy McRae for her brainchild. I've worked with Judy a long time and I've worked with Wen Chang for a long time and just met Marie. I feel like she's my soul sister. Just the incredible space they've created for us. It's a safe space. Um, we have some pretty deep, meaningful and helpful conversations and uh, literally there are people who feel this space is a place where they do feel physically safe. They can talk about their fears, uh, talk about their experiences, and we have gotten to get to know each other, those of us who uh, know about it and can participate. So we hope we can continue to get the word out about it. Just thrilled that the core supports this. Um, I mean, I don't you know, have a charge code for the hour once a month, but it's self-care time, and it really is a bright spot in the day or the week. And I wish this kind of space for anybody. I encourage everybody to find their their people 
that you feel comfortable with that you can share with, you know, for all of us, with, whether it's um, culturally based or um, based in discipline areas, but it is super important for kind of the well-being of all of us. And I don't know of anyone who hasn't undergone some sort of underlying stresses in the situation we've been in for two years. So it has been very helpful in the self-care realm and for job satisfaction and all of that stuff. Right, silver lining for sure. I definitely second all the great things you guys have said. The Corps of Engineers has been wonderful in that sense. Um, this group has been wonderful, I think. With COVID, everything has been so isolating, and that's an obvious problem for everyone. So having these kind of groups is always wonderful because then you're not alone. You can share your experiences, and it's always like, oh yeah, no, that that's that's I feel that way about that too, or I feel this way about that too, and you're not alone. And it's wonderful for mental health. <laughs> it's wonderful for everything, and um, I think that. The core has um, tried to at least put more of its uh, money where its mouth is in terms of, hey, we're here to take care of people. We want happy employees. Happy employees are better employees. And so I do appreciate that. And I appreciate my coworkers. Again, I, I love the people I do work with. And they are very supportive and very kind. It's incredibly helpful, uh, even as a, a parent. Oftentimes, as a parent, you're like, is this situation unique to me? Am I doing something wrong? And just to hear, no. <laughs> you know, we were all going through these similar things. It's not just you. You're, you're not having a unique problem. And be able to just have that camaraderie is, is a wonderful thing. Yeah, it, it's definitely uh, sounds like a community that we, we need more people involved in. So for our listeners, I was just kind of curious, Eileen, could you tell us, for the, our listeners out there, how can they be involved in this community? I know we heard from Judy the last podcast that it's really open to anyone. You don't have to be Asian American to be involved. They're looking for folks to support as well. So for our listeners out there, how should they get involved? You do not have to be Asian American, just an ally, as we call uh, non-Asian Americans, and there are plenty who join us every month. Uh, all you have to do is um, email Judy McRae. Uh, you can find her M-C-C-R-A-E or E-A, <laughs> and you can find her. And she has a distribution list, so there is an actual DLL, and she will add you so you don't miss any of our um, future um monthly-ish events and sometimes resources and conversation starters. And so it's not flooding our inboxes by any means. So uh, we welcome the allies. We love our allies and they've been a wonderful part of the conversation. Great. Thank you, Eileen, Rosalind, and Palin for joining us today for this edition of Inside the Castle. We appreciate you and your insights. To our listeners, we want to hear from you, what topics are important to you, and people you're interested in hearing from. Until next time, be safe, be innovative, and be revolutionary. Thanks for joining us for this Inside the Castle podcast. To provide your feedback, email us at cw.infrastructure.team at usace.army.mil. Stay tuned for additional Inside the Castle podcasts as we explore life inside the core and revolutionize civil works together. 